she was referring to beings. Something strange is going on here. The copper said, well, you, as UFOs didn't exist, I'm not going to put anything else. Boris Peniston and Cabansack have been in the woods all night chasing UFOs. Bentwater's base, yeah, that was a nuclear base. That was the largest stockpile of nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons in Great Britain. Hello everyone, how's it going? So we have a special podcast interview today. I'm joined by Bailey, Meyer and Scott and Ronnie. Of course, Ronnie joined us on the Rendlesham Forest video, which you guys absolutely loved. I don't know if you've seen Ronnie, but now across the two platforms, it's been viewed over 100,000 times, which is incredible. Uh People loved it. People loved you. And so I thought we'd have an interview today. We'd have a chat about the ins and outs of Rendlesham Forest, of what happened at Rendlesham Forest. I've had emails from people since Rendlesham Forest um, video, and it's I've never really had a response like it, to be honest. It's definitely captured the interest and imagination of so many people, which I think is incredible. But... Um, yeah, I just thought I'd hand over to you, Ronnie, and uh, mm -hmm. if would you like to tell us the story of Rendlesham Forest? Okay, so I'll just fire away, shall I? Yeah, absolutely, go for it. Yeah. And we'll, we might interject from time to time with yeah, questions, yeah. okay? Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the main events of Rendlesham was um, over the Christmas period, 1980. The first event started on the... Um, late evening of Christmas Day, the 25th. So that would be the, the midnight shift was on duty then. And um, one of the tasks of the um, security police and the law enforcement police was to check the um, the gate at the East Gate because it was used as a shortcut, mostly by British people as well. They'd find out what the combination was or get the lock open. And sometimes that was left unsecured. So. Um, that night, John Burroughs was on duty. His um, supervisor that night was fairly new to the, the base. His name was um, Bud Steffens. John had already been on the base for about a year and a half. And um, they're travelling down to check the, the gate, normally a very quiet post. That's, if you've been down there yourself, you know how quiet it is. It's just the same, you know, when the base was open. Yeah. It's on the side of the runway. And um, as they're approaching it, Bud Stephens sees some lights over the forest and he remarks to John, John, do you see them lights there? Is that Are they normally there? And John's looking at it and he's seeing these lights over the forest. He explains them as being like one big white light and then lots of other coloured lights, a bit like a Christmas display. And John says, no, I've never seen nothing like that. I've been down there hundreds of times. I've never seen nothing like that down there before. So before they start calling that in, because you can um, understand that if they were just to call it in or say, I think they've seen a UFO or something, that's not career enhanced and they could end up um, losing their job or um, getting demoted, yeah, given menial tasks. So they decide to go off base is something they should never do, but they did. They drove down at the bottom of the escape road, which um, you've been there, yeah. a few hundred yards to the junction where the... the, the the main road cuts across, and as they get out of the vehicle, straight away they feel like an electric, electrostatic charge all over the body, and things just didn't seem right. Um, John has said, "Did you see it? Um, did you see it crash?" So they're thinking at first that might be an airplane crash, yeah. and he said, no, it didn't crash; it landed. 
so they get out of the vehicle and that that the white light amongst all the other colors starts moving towards them and they know now it's not um you know a, an airplane crash yeah. this is something else yeah so they jumped in jumped in the vehicle and the boat turned zoomed off back to the the main gate and at the main gate there was a little guard hut with a main line in it but i've always told if they see anything strange not to use the radio because people listened into the radio all the while you know to find out about airplanes coming in and stuff so he gets on the phone and john calls into the law enforcement desk and says there's um something going on just outside the base there's all weird lights in the forest well john was known as being a bit of a practical joker particularly to this that the airman who's taking the call and he's saying yeah 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 pull the other one and john says no seriously there's something in the woods you know it needs investigating yeah and he still think he's having him on and so then he gives the phone over to bud steffens who's his supervisor and he says there really is something in the woods you know we need to investigate this and so then he still thinks they're having the joke with him and so he then says right i'll put you through to the csc which is the central security control it's the main control room for both the bases so um at bentwaters you've got the woodbridge base which is the one where the eastgate is and then you've got bentwaters a few miles away rendlesham forest separates the two and so that's got serious now if that goes to csc and if john's pulling his leg he's going to be in serious trouble so the chap's expecting him to say, whoa, that's, you know, it's just a joke, and he don't. Yeah. So then they realize, they realize there's something really going on there. So the central security control then get in touch with the person who was in charge that night, and his name was Sergeant Jim Penniston. And he was in the channel at the time. And they say, Jim, you need to get down to the East Gate um, straight away. And he says, well, what's the nature of the, you know, what, 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 what have I got? What's the problem? And they said, we'd rather not say it this time. You need to get yourself down there and they'll brief you when you get down there. So he goes down there with blue lights flashing. His driver that night um, was Ed Kabansak. This was Ed's first night on duty. This is all by his first. What yeah. a day to start. So they, um, they turn up at the gate and Jim says, well, what's the na nature of the problem? And um, they says, well, look, the, the light's in the forest there. And... Jim says the same. Did you see it crash? And um, John says, no, it didn't crash. That landed. Yeah. I didn't see it land, but Bud Stephen said it landed. Yeah. And so we're still thinking that's an airplane crash. And um, so he gets the team together to go and investigate. So Bud Stephens, he was the supervisor. That was his, like, fairly new to the base. He says, I'm not going. He says, I've heard about these lights in the forest. He says, you do what you like, but I'm not leaving base. And so um, John went with him and um, poor old Ed Kabansak, his first night on duty. Now, Ed's thinking that's a prank because right. he's, he's new to the base and the American thing. He thinks that's some sort of fraternity. He thinks yeah. they're going to get me in the forest, they're going to roll me in mud, or they're going to tie me to a tree or something like yeah. that. But um, as they go down to the um, – they, they go down the, the Eastgate Road, um, turn right onto that main road until they reach a logging road and um, heading towards where these lights are now. They're not where they were before they've moved. Right. They go, they go as far as they can in their vehicle. And then the terrain was quite, the roads were quite unmade in them days. And they got as far as they could. And then they, they got out and made the way, the way towards the lights. Mm -hmm. So they're like in a the line heading towards it. 
um, that seemed like these lights were playing with him at some time. One minute that seemed to be nearly close to him, the next minute that seemed behind him. Someone overheard him on the radio um, saying, um, we're, we're within like 100 metres of these lights. And then he'd say, do you copy? The lights are now behind us. So there was something going on. They know it won't crash because these lights are playing games with him. Yeah. So when they, they get towards where the, the, the forest is really lit up and... Um, there's a burn it's like where they pulled the trees out, leave the roots, and there's quite a hill there. Yeah. And as they tear over the hill, that's where they see this big, massive white light. Now, this is where the story changes for all three, because all three remember different things. So John and um, Ed remember seeing the white light, mm-hmm. hitting the ground, and then blacking out, can't remember anymore. Until um, the the light lifted up above the tree line and, and disappeared. They can remember that part. So they can remember the beginning and the, the end. They can't remember the middle bit. But Jim Penniston has a completely different story. And that's probably the story most of your listeners have been familiar with, yeah. um, where he says um, there was this this light there and he went towards it. Oh, all three of them said when they approached this craft, time seemed to slow down. Mm. That was like they were in a bubble. That was everything was slow motion and slow. They they all said that same thing. So Jim's gone down, and he what he sees there is a triangular craft. He described it as about the, the size of a tank, right? Um, about nine nine foot um, round the sides and about seven foot high. Um, he went up to it. He walked round it. He took photographs. He used a whole film of photographs, photographing this thing. He gets his notebook out and he finds some um, glyphs on the side of it. Mm. He's hoping to see something like USSR or uh, NASA or something like that. But these are really weird glyphs and they seem familiar to him, but he doesn't know where they seem. You know, like sometimes you see something that seems familiar, but they seem familiar, but he couldn't make head of town. So he etches them down in his book. he runs his hand along the, the, the craft and that feels like glass, like black onyx he's described it, yeah. until he got to these glyphs and then it was like putting his hand over sandpaper. Interesting. Um, he looks for crew compartments, no crew compartments, there's no signs of any intakes or anything like that. That's just like this weird, weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when he touched the glyphs, in 2010, I think it was, years later, that was the 30th, yeah, it would have been 2010, the conference we had at Woodbridge. He then says that he got a binary load, a binary download from it, all these ones and zeros, and yeah. he couldn't get them out of his head. So anyway, um, he says that John and Ed Kavansak were there somewhere, but weren't. They not, neither of them witnessed that. It was just him witnessed that. Right. Then John says that he saw this light take off. Um, that went above the the tree line, mm-hmm. and then just zoomed off out um, over the the farmer's field, which some people yeah. call Cabal Green, and out towards the coast. So um, they both go. Uh, all three of them go looking for it now. Um, Jim Penniston has said that Edgar Bansack was left back at the vehicle as a comms link because they found that none of the communications were working the closer they got to this thing. And so but Ed says he can't remember ever being separated from any of them. And there's all sorts of reasons why that could be. 
But anyway, they, they go over the farmer's field. Jim goes one way, they go the other way. And um, Jim and Ed ends up on this mound called Burrow Hill or Burrow, Bur Burrow Mound, which overlooks the estuary. And from there, they could see the shipwash lighthouse and they could also see the infamous lighthouse that some skeptics have said is what they were following all the while. And yeah. while they were while they were coming back from there, um, they did see one of these blue orbs shoot past them again. So um, that's about as far as the first night goes. That's about it. Yeah. So they, they went back to the base and they had to, John let Jim do all the talking because he's the junior ranking out, out of the two. So the uh, um, sergeant does all the talking and then he calls it in. And then that was their ship over and done. So then on, on the, should we go on the second night yeah, already? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Any questions from that one first? Um, I do remember you, you, you mentioned um, in the investigation with, with regards to the lighthouse, because also someone commented yeah. this um, mm -hmm. about, oh, you know, it's a light, lighthouse, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, as you correctly pointed out, lighthouses tend to have a shield to stop the light from casting onto land because obviously it's yeah. quite you know if you if you're in a house opposite a lighthouse you don't want the big beam and light going into your into your windows every night so that that you know strengthens the idea yeah. of right so you the, know. yeah sorry the lighthouse um pointing out to sea had a green light and the red light starboard and port like the ships had yeah um and I had the big white light. I had a metal shield at the back of it. Remember, this is 6.3 miles away from Mendelssohn yeah. Forest. That's a pinprick on the horizon. Far, there's, yeah. no way, there's no way the, the uh, trained airman is going to mistake that, you no. know, that, that, especially when they come over the berm and they see it. Mm. Also, when they're going down East, Co East Gate Road, that came towards them. Well, lighthouses' beams don't come towards them. But like I say, I wish you could have seen it when when it was um, active. That's been deactivated. And I think that's even been demolished. But yeah. there was just, if you imagine, just you could just see a little pinprick of light every five seconds or so. Yeah. Yeah. A little pinprick. The, no beams sweeping around like you'd imagine because that's going out to sea. There's a yeah. metal shield. Yeah. But you could see there was a lighthouse there. You could just see a little flash miles on the horizon. Just a pinprick. Yeah. So there's no way was at the the lighthouse yeah hmm. well so, when, so how's obviously they were taking this seriously because you know the people that have gone out there but were they were they armed you know what did they see it as a as a as a threat right now the the yanks leased that off the mod that the air bases yeah and they signed a thing called the status forces agreement that said that they were allowed to transport arms from one um, base to the other yeah, under strict conditions, but they weren't allowed to take their arms off base. But I do know M did take their arms off base. They did take their arms off base during that incident as well. Now, um, John had to hand his weapon in at the at the gate. I think it was um, Master Sergeant Chandler who came down. He was the superior and took the arms off them. Um, but Ed Kabansak says that John did have his sidearm, and he may well have done, because I know other officers who were out there on the third night who also still had their sidearm. Like he, he said before, um, they didn't know what they were getting into, yeah. you know, to ask him to go off 
face with no arms is crazy so so they were definitely they were concerned evidently that they that it could be a potential lethal threat because otherwise they wouldn't arm themselves right when jim first done the investigation as soon as he found out that that wasn't um a downed aircraft he then rang into the csc and changed the operation from a downed the, the the protocol for a downed aircraft and a possible hostage um a hostile threat yeah. you know yeah so um then when he got there he he wasn't talking all the while on the radio but he was hearing nothing back right so we had to carry on as if they were listening he didn't know so we carried on communicating all the while and not knowing whether they were hearing or not now normally if that was something serious they would uh, um implicate what they call a helping hand where you know the troops come and sort right, things yeah. out but of course jim is also thinking about his career as well yeah. so he's not going to he's not going to say you know like i say ufo or, or use words like that so he downplayed it to a certain extent and um the other thing is they weren't really taking it serious at that time mm. you know they they needed more proof didn't they and they had no yeah. proof to offer he, yeah. when he come back He'd been out in the woods 45 minutes. He needed to tell them. He, he thought, you know, what am I going to tell them? You know, yeah. all I can tell them is that they were lights. And like John said, he'd let him do the talking because, it, it, you know, he wasn't going to say no. what he'd see. He was going to keep as quiet as what he could. Yeah. So definitely not the lighthouse. You can forget that one. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. That's interesting. So so let's let's go into night two. So, what, so this right, has been, right. all been reported. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been um, reported that they saw something. Um, I think they must have took it fairly serious because they, they the gate at the east gate, which um, wasn't normally manned, on the second night that was manned, and that was manned by a young um, female. Yeah. Um, her name was Laurie Bowen. She was only 18. A very beautiful, pretty girl. And um, she's down on that gate on her own. Now, you know how dark it is down there. There's no lights down. There's no lights down there at all. Until they put the blue runway lights on, that's a bit creepy. It is. So she's she's in the the guard shack or sitting on the vehicle. And all of a sudden, she sees a massive orb of light. And she describes it as big as the moon Mm -hmm. and like hands full of fire, the colours, reds Mm -hmm. and blues and yellows. And that comes across the runway and slowly descends in the forest on the north of the runway. So this is nowhere where we went. This is on the, the yeah, other the way. Other side, yeah. Been, yeah. So um, she's as scared as hell. And the, the rule is, if anything crosses the runway, you have to call it in. Yeah. So she's, she's scared and she calls in, um, you know, to her boss and says, I'm scared. You know, I've seen this thing come down in the forest. And... Um, you know, that's, I don't know what it is, but I'm scared. Yeah. And so they sent down another airman called John Trantosi. So he comes down and he's like um, trying to pacify her and say, you know, everything's all right. Uh, that's going to be investigated. Uh-huh. Well, they hear the, the chatter on the radio that there's other people coming to investigate whatever it is. And on the way there, there was a lieutenant. Her name was Bonnie Templin. She hadn't been on the base long. And Master Sergeant Bob Ball, who's been involved nearly every night in the Reynolds um, incident, but you don't hear much about him at all. 
So as they're driving down between the bases, they're about half a mile away from the Woodbridge base, and an orb of light flies into the vehicle. She panics, turns the, the vehicle over into the woods, and is in a state of um, state of panic. Now, um, not much is known about it because Bonnie has never come forward. Um, we do know that she had like a nervous breakdown. Some say that she dropped her weapon and ran. And um, Laurie Bowen and John Tremtilzi are hearing all this over the radio. They're hearing her, their, their boss saying, Bob, Bob, where are you, Bob? I can't see you, Bob. Bob. And she's absolutely terrified and screaming. So nothing more is really known about that, except the next day she was um, aerovacked out and she was never seen again. But now one of the um, women who drove supply from one base to another, um, her, her, we'll call her Cookie, her nickname was Cookie. She says that she picked them up on the side of the road and took them back and they were both in a, a shocked, terrified state. And Bonnie Templin's pointing into the woods saying, they're in there, they're in there. And so that's as much as we know. Nothing's ever been really verified except for Cookie's testimony. And um, other people who saw them come back to the base and they were in the shot state. So that's like the, all what happened on the second month. So when, when she said they're in there, was she referring yeah. to the lights or was she referring to creatures like alien lights? Right, now... Um, Cookie says that she was referring to beings. beings. Oh. Yeah. She actually saw, like, an actual being. Yes. Fucking hell. Mm. That's nuts. Mm. Did, did she give any sort of description of them? Yeah, well, she's never ever come forward to do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's only the testimony of other people. Um, I've spoken to someone who saw her being not debriefed, but talked about the next day, and she was still in a, a state of panic. And I spoke to an airman who saw her coming back to the base in the vehicle mm -hmm. and said that both her and Bob Ball were in a state of, like, a trance almost, terror, a terrified state. Yeah. And um, Cookie, she said she was absolutely trembling with fear and that, you know, that wasn't just like she saw, she's yeah. sure of that. So this lady... Yeah. Excuse me, sorry, I got a cough. This lady who said they're in there, et cetera, et cetera, was that terrifying? Yeah. She was a lieutenant, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. So she, was, she, was, she, was she was high yeah, up, she was and yeah, she yeah. quit. Yeah. She, yeah, she was that, evacked well, out. She was done. She either quit or she was... Um, see, the, there's a speculation that she left the uh, M16 in yeah. the woods. So something happened there. for you yeah, to do that. Yeah, something happened, yeah. And there is another rumour where someone said that... Um, that she got violent. So with whatever we'll never it know. was. I, I, I have made contact with her family, but she will not no talk answer. about it. Incredible. No. Something happened. She was going places. She was well liked. Colonel yeah. Holt, you know, the deputy base commander, thought a lot of her. Yeah. He, you know, but there you go. That was as far as that went. How much of that is factual? How much is speculation or been exaggerated over the years? Yeah. But I do know Cookie personally, and she says she picked them up, and Bonnie Templin was terrified. Incredible, and so, rightly so, really. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. If you saw, yeah. if you saw a strange being that you like was sure wasn't a human, you know, well, I'd be terrified. Orb, I know for to a have fact. an orb of light go into the vehicle, yeah, that's enough to terrify you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Without anything else. Yeah. 
And it didn't come in through an open window. That came through the windscreen. That's not the first instant where that's happened at Rendlesham, but that was, you know, you can imagine her being terrified. And you can also imagine her losing control of the vehicle as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you'd, th you'd think you need to swerve to avoid it, wouldn't you? So Yes, yeah. So mm. this being night two, being the night yeah. after what happened the night before, yeah, what... What was, do you know what, like, was going on with the airbase? Were they like, I mean, God, this this is two nights in a row that something's going, like, something strange is going on here. Yeah. No one really talks much about the second night. No. But um, speaking to Laurie, she said over the radio she could hear personnel in the background who have denied they were ever there. But she swears that she's heard. I ain't going to say whose names they are because they're yeah. still you know, active and, and yeah. well denied anyway, but she said she's heard certain um, people's voice, well, I might as well say Colonel Holt, she's heard his voice there, but he's always denied not knowing anything about it. But a lot of things don't add up to this story. Yeah. You know, a lot of things. Definitely. So, so night three, so this is, and when you, when we say night one, night two, night three, we do mean yeah. concurrent, like these things happen night yes. after night after yes. night. Yeah. So the, 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 the evening of the 25th into the morning of the 26th, night one. Yeah. The evening of the 26th into the 27th, night two. The evening of the 27th into the 28th, night three. Incredible. Right? There may well be instances of what happened after that as yeah. well. But so, these are the main nights we're talking about. Right. So, so let's let's so, delve into night three then. Right, so night three really that starts in the morning because um, Colonel Holt has gone in to um, get there. No, I should have said this on night, the morning after, the morning of night two, really. Let's just right, go yeah. back to that yeah, to explain fine. how Colonel Holt gets involved. Right. Well, Colonel Holt worked long hours. He was the, he was the deputy base commander. Um, his job really was to run the base. The commander kissed babies, cut ribbons, things like that. So right. he was involved with everything on the base. So part of his job was to, in the morning, go to the, the law enforcement desk and pick up what they call the police blotters. Well, the police blotters, they were um, the activity for the previous 24 hours. Everything that happened, someone called the uh, cops in because there was a domestic or there was a fire in the club or something like that. Everything is in the police blotters so he goes in it's about half past five in the morning he goes in to pick the police blotters now the chap who took the call from john burroughs his name is crash mccabe and he's laughing and he says and so um charles holt says what's so funny what's the joke and he says well burroughs peniston and cabansack have been in the woods all night chasing ufos and so he said Ch -ch -ch chasing ufos what do you mean they went off the base he went, yeah, they've been chasing UFOs all night. They said, but um, the flight chief told me not to put anything in the blotters. And so um, Colonel Holt says, well, you've got to put something in the blotters. Put something like um, they saw some unexplained lights or something. He said, you've got to put something, because if anything ever, you know, come of them being seen out in the woods off yeah, the base, we need, to we need to cover our backs. And so he says, you'll have to put that they, they saw unexplained lights or something. So he takes the police blotters and he goes to see his boss, um, who was Gordon, Willi Gordon Williams, Colonel Gordon Williams, and he and he says, um, you know, what's occurred? And he said, oh, Burroughs and Peniston have been chasing, and they had a chuckle about it. He said, there must be some mundane explanation about all this. 
And so um, they the, he then took it to what they call the, the wing stand-up meeting, and he said the same thing, you know, that they'd said nothing was done about it. Um, so then we had, had Bonnie Templin. One thing I need to go back on, because I think that's quite important. Yes. Yeah, sure. um, after, the, after the first night, when um, Jim Penniston and Burroughs and Cabansack had their encounter, when they've um, gone and had their debrief, um, they were told that in the morning to go back into the woods and see if they could find any evidence that anything was ever there. So when they went back into the woods in the morning, there was already some of the brass out there. Some of their bosses were already out there investigating. And they found that there was um, branches been snapped off the trees high up in the canopy. There was um, these impressions in the shape of a triangle in the ground. So the, the base called the British police out, being that was on the British land. And on the record, the police said that that was probably made by animals scrapings, bearing in mind that was freezing cold, that was December, and that the ground was solid. They said yeah. that these equilateral triangle marks were made probably by um, chickens or rabbits burrowing the, in the ground. So right. when they were asked, why did they say that? The copper said, "Well, as UFOs didn't exist, I'm not going to put anything else." <laughs> so that just thought I'd, I'd add that bit in. Yeah. Right. So now we're on um, the daytime of day three. Yeah. Well, um, Monroe Nevels, he was a disaster preparedness officer. Um, Lieutenant Bruce England, he was, um, you know, one of the bosses there. Well, the, the base commander Ted Conrad had, had a meeting with. Um, Lieutenant Bruce England, and he said he wanted him to go and collect Munro Nevels and um, take him into the forest to where the sighting was seen on the first night and do their own investigation because he wanted to sort of put this to bed and find out if there was any mundane um, reason or if there was any um, radiation or anything like that. So anyway, uh, Munro gets a knock on, on his door and there's Lieutenant Bruce England and he comes to the door and he says, um, is there anyone else here in the house with you? And so Munro never said, well, there's my three-year-old daughter. And he said, well, will she understand what I'm saying? He said, well, I don't know unless you tell me what you're going to say. And so he says, well, we've got to go do this investigation in the forest uh, on, on the um, instructions of the base commander. He wants us just to see if that warrants further investigation. And he says, because um, last or a couple of nights ago, John Burroughs was reported to have been abducted into a UFO. Weird thing for a, a boss to say. Yeah. And so he, he says, well, what, what do you want from me? He said, well, we need to know um, if that needs investigating further. So get your guide counter or whatever you need and we'll yeah. go out there and do investigation. Um, Munro Nevels says he was a person trusted by the base commander to do things properly. So anyway, they go out into the forest and um, because Bruce England had been out there on the, on the next morning and found his tripod marks with the others, um, he takes them straight to the, to the spot. Nothing unusual about it. As they're about to go, they see lights in the forest. And so um, he points them out to Monroe Nevels. And these lights are getting closer and further away and moving about. And Monroe Neville says, well, it poaches us moving too fast, you know, and things like that. They go back to the vehicle. He says he thought um, Bruce England was a little bit scared of what he'd seen, but seemed strange for a 
a marine had been skidded. Yeah. He noticed that when they when they were in the vehicle, he's got like these night vision goggles and he could see the heat from this light source. As they as he opened the door, the light seemed to be reacting to what he was right. doing. He opened the door, the light got brighter, he closed it, they went dim. And that that really seemed as if that was reacting to his movements. And he said the same thing. The electric charge almost pushed his berry off his head. You know, that was they could feel the hairs on their arms standing up. So um, that's now the evening time. And back at the, the Woodbridge base, the men are having a Christmas party. That was a party for the um, combat support group, you know, where they have a, a covered dish dinner where they get... Um, presented and told they'd done a good job and things like that and the officers' wives and everything was there. So Bruce England and um, Monroe Nevilles go back to there and they get the maitre d' and they say, can you get the um, colonel for us? And the colonel come out and um, he says, it's back. He says, what's back? He says, the UFO is back. Oh, Christ, no. They still haven't finished their, their dinner and yeah. he still had presentations to make and stuff like that. So he gets Colonel Holt, tells him he's going to have to get a team and go out there and put this thing to bed once and for all, you know, because at, at this time, all the airmen are looking up to the skies and not concentrating on what they should be doing, you know, protecting the assets of the base. Yeah. And they're all looking for UFOs in the sky. So um, Colonel Holt's a sceptic. He don't think there's anything to it. There must be some mundane explanation to it. So um, he rings up Sue Jones. She's the um, disaster preparedness boss. She say, who have you got on duty tonight? And um, they, he says, Munro Nevels, which is a bit weird because Munro Nevels was already there. So there's a discrepancy in the story there anyway, right. which makes me think maybe they were talking about different nights. But anyway, um, cut long story short, he gets Munro Nevels. Poor old Bob Ball is dragged back in again. Oh, no. So he's um, he's in there. Adrian Bustin's a sergeant. He's got him... Um, involved as well and um, Lieutenant Bruce England and so out they go, they go home he, he's in a suit so he gets changed into his fatigues, gets his little um, miniature micro cassette um, I suppose most people have heard the, the Hulk tape on online that's there for everyone to listen to, about 18 minutes of the actual events as he's going through the forest so he takes that, some batteries and um, away they go to the forest. So when they get to the forest, there's um, what they call the staging post. There's light oils out there. So a light oil is, um, you know, like these um, generated that, light units. Is that like a like, flood, floodlight thing? Floodlight, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, what they have in the army, they hook them up to the back of the jeep and drag them out there. Well, yeah. the weird thing was that night, not only were the light oils not working, which is uh, such a steady piece of kit they don't normally go wrong there's nothing to them just like a lawnmower engine with a fluorescent tubes on the top yeah. and not only did were they malfunction the jeeps were malfunctioning as well and there'd been a bit of an argument over whether they they had um the petrol in them or not but right. anyway they they weren't working when he got there they weren't working but there was people all over the place and holt's gone oh my christ you know this is a public relations disaster all yeah. these people he ordered people to to stay back at the stage stage and post he weren't in his little team and out they go to lieutenant england take them to where the um first night's landing site was where these tripod marks were 
And so they get out there and they're taking Geiger counter readings and they seem to be getting some sort of readings a bit higher than what background radiation was, um, particularly on the inside of the trees and in the centre of the tripod marks. So something caused the radiation there. Yeah. While they're, they're doing this and taking measurements and taking a few samples of, of um, sat and the like and soil, Lieutenant England sees a light in the woods moving, similar to what they'd seen earlier in the day. Yeah. And um, he says, look, over there, over there, that's uh, they're back. And this light is moving backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And they described that as like an eye winking at you. So like if you imagine an eye with a black pupil yeah. and the pupil is pulsating and winking. And so that's moving towards them and then moving away from them. That's going up and down and round the trees. So whatever it was seemed to be under intelligent control. Yeah. So that back that goes through through the woods from um, the track where I took you, you know, that track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through that, um, there was just a single barbed wire fence there. And so they follow it out to the field and there's now about 100 yards, about a third of the way to the farmer's houses. That's in the field. And um, they're watching it for about a minute, and all of a sudden it just explodes like a firework, and five white lights just go up in the sky and disappear. So Holt says, we better go see if we can find any residue, because while they're watching that, it looks like molten metal is dripping from it. So that looked like that was, you know, if you imagine molten metal in, in, in a furnace, yeah. that looked like that was dripping off that. But when they get out there, they find that there's nothing, um, no marks no visible signs that anything's ever been there apart from the cows that left the cow pets yeah so they cross they cross that field to where the farmer's house is or their, their cottages is not really farmers or cottages they go over the road into the second field and by now they're seeing lights up in the sky there's um you know in a distance and they can see these zooming about yeah in, in zigzag patterns and and while they stood there, one of these lights approach him at breakneck speed, stops directly over him and sends down a beam of light. I mean, you can imagine a, like a, a laser light. Yeah. Um, about the size of a dinner plate, and that landed just near their feet. And Holt was thinking, you know, what, what the hell is this? Is it, a, is it a weapon? Is it a warning? He didn't know yeah. what it was. All the while, he's um, contacting the base, telling them what's going on. And they're saying, we don't see nothing. We're not seeing, we don't see anything, you know. It's, and so he's getting really peed off with them. Yeah. This because no one's paying any attention to him. They're, um, they're, that's pitch black. They've stumbled into a bit of a stream. They all got wet and cold. And so they decide to head back to the base because no one's paying any attention. In the meantime, they're watching these lights doing like a, 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 a grid, you know, yeah. backwards and forwards, these beams of light. They can see beams of light over the bent water's base. They can see them all over these beams of light coming down. So anyway, he goes he's, he goes across the field, back to where the staging post is, and he bumps into John Burroughs. And um, John Burroughs had been there earlier in the evening. This is the third night we're talking about. He's, he's off duty, so he's in his civilian clothes. And... Um, at that time, there's a blue orb light flying about around the, around the tops of the trees and everything. And Colonel Holt says to John, is that what you saw? Well, John knew it was, but he wanted to get a closer look. And he says, I'm not sure. Can I take a closer look? And the light has come down in the trees a few hundred yards away from where the staging post is. 
And so he orders Adrian Bustinza, the sergeant who's with it, his party, to go with John. And they make their way towards this light. And that as they're running towards the light, John has now got engulfed by the light. And at that right. time, Adrian Bustinza has hit the ground. And Adrian says that he felt like he was being held to the ground. So he's engulfed with this light. John can't remember anything what happened then, but Adrian says he saw him disappear, like um, dissolve, if you like, like yeah. um, like on the Star, uh, Star Trek Enterprise when they yeah, yeah, yeah. when they do that. And when he disappeared, there was a craft there. And then moments later, the craft disappeared, the light disappeared, and John was standing there, not knowing anything what happened. So. John makes so his way back to, John's making his way back to Adrian and he said what happened and Adrian said I, I, I was being held down to the ground he said that light um, engulfed you he said that came on my that came over my hand that light came over my hand but you disappeared John you were gone and so um, they then make their way back to the base now John and Adrian can't remember anything from that moment on for the next 14 hours they can't remember how they got back to the. They can't remember how they got back to the base. Um, how that you know what what happened when they got back to the base. The next thing John can remember is like fourteen hours, and Adrian has said the same. He just can't remember. So something happened to him. They were either taken in and questioned and debriefed and something, or maybe the phenomenon itself wiped their wiped their yeah. mind. Mm. Yeah. So incredible. um. Yeah, so that, that's sort of the end of the third night. Um, the next day, Colonel Holt goes um, with the police blotters in, see his boss, um, he bumps into him, and he's the boss is hearing everything what's going on over the radio, and he says, that was some night last night, weren't it? And Colonel Holt says, yes, I've got it all on the tape. He went, you what? He said, I've got everything on the tape. He said, I was taping that as we were going along. And so he said, give me the tape. He said, I'm going to take it to the third Air Force meeting. And um, so he takes this radio and Colonel Holt's worried or he thinks that's the end of my career. You know, that's that's yeah. me. I'll be flying the desk from now on. So a couple of three days passed and um, and um, Gordon Williams comes back and he said, well, boss, have I still got a job? And he throws him the cassette. And he says, what happened? He said, well, he said, I told everyone at the meeting what had happened. Everyone stood in stunned silence, didn't know how to deal with it or whatever. And then the boss said, happened off base. That's a British affair. Let them deal with it. Really? And so that was it. Yeah, that was him um, off the hook. So he still, um, he, he, oh, he said, go and, and meet with Don Morland. Well, Don Morland was the British liaison officer. So he was like the man from the MOD on the base, um, like a wing commander, but not to interfere with the, the Yanks, but he was yeah. in, still in charge, if you know what I mean. So Colonel Holt goes and sees Don Morland. He had to wait a couple of weeks because Don Morland was away on Christmas vacation in Wales or somewhere. And um, when he come back, he said, we have to write something up. He said, we've got to, you know, we've got to let the MOD know. And so Don says, well, just write a memo, um, just call it Unexplained Lights or something. And he said, and I'll send it off. And um, Colonel Holt thought, well, I'll send a memo and as like a common, 
come and investigate, you know, that'll get him interested and the MOD will want to know more and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So what Holt done, he crammed all three nights events into that one page, made it sound like that was just one event. Right. Called it unexplained lights, said that he had seen the, the things as well, so that weren't just him and, and saying it. And they waited and waited and waited and no one ever responded to it. That was it. And it wasn't until that memo was released for freedom of information in America by some investigators that would never have ever surfaced and no one had ever known. That's incredible. So that whole third night is yeah. caught on a, on a tape, pretty much. The okay. whole thing with the like light beam and yes, everything yes, that was all, all on audio. The tape. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you should listen to it. Yeah. You hear I've the, got, I've got hear... the transcript off already, yeah. so I'm going to be you looking at You can hear the terror this. in their voice when they mm. go, now we've seen a beam of light shine down at our feet. What is it? You know, they were they were pretty terrified. Well, he yeah. admitted terrified, you know, they didn't know what it was. And also because no one's responding, no one's pay, paying a blind bit of notice. Yeah. There's the, you got to remember, we're, that's at the height of the Cold War, and there's all yeah. this going on, but no one seem, seems as if they care. So that's yeah. what made, made me always feel that the brass knew what was going on. Yeah. They were either expecting it, knew about it, or that was something else. Yeah. That they knew about. That they knew about. Yeah. Was do you think there's any connection between the UFO phenomena and the airbase itself? Because you get a lot of reports of UFO sightings around airbases. Was there that that specific airbase? Was that housing nuclear warheads or anything like that? Because you sometimes hear UFOs and nuclear uh, warheads at air bases. Yeah. Well, the Woodbridge base, no. But the um, and Colonel Holt could neither confirm or deny it because it, it, you know he's sworn to oath. But the Bentwaters base, yeah, that was a nuclear base. That was the largest stockpile of nuclear tactical nuclear weapons in Great Britain, probably in Europe. While all the women were at Greenham Common, they weren't there. They were at Bentwaters. See, because that that you you often hear with UFO phenomena. Mm. It's specifically where, well, A, after we split the atom, the, the sightings of UFOs exploded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excuse the pun. And the fact that there was there was uh, nuclear warheads in this area ties into how many UFO sightings have been, have happened. It's almost like if these, you know, if these aliens exist, which I do believe they do, they have some form of fascination with the fact that we have split the atom. Mm. Or perhaps it's a precaution, you know, that, oh, I, shit, I, these I, can now actually think, destroy. Um, yeah, I think that um, they've got an interest in us not blowing ourselves up. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Earth is yeah. there for a reason. You know, yeah. when you think of all the stars and the galaxies, the, the, the Earth is there for a reason. Um, I don't know why, but a lot of the air bases, maybe by coincidence, are based in flat areas and where ley lines yeah. run through. Yeah. Is are they purposely put there? Yeah. You know, they could have they could have put Woodbridge and Bentwaters anywhere. They didn't have to put it where that was. Yeah, that makes you makes you wonder why that is. Also, we, we had a lot going off on Orford Ness as well. We were experimenting with them. Um, well, radar was based off a of death ray. That was an experiment for a death ray, and that was um, that was conceived in in Orford Ness. So then, um, by accident, they found out they could, you know, they could um, recognise aeroplanes coming in from over the coast, 
and they had the over the horizon radar um, at um, Orfordness as well, although that had been decommissioned before the the um, 1980 incident. But the the workers didn't go away; they were still there, so they were working on something, yeah. even though they they decommissioned the the um, um, Cobra Mist, they called it. They decommissioned that. The, the workers were still there, so they were working on something. Maybe maybe the radar we developed, which um, a lot of people know a lot more about it than me, but they found that one of the radars, they could change the trajectory of satellites. It's quite a handy thing to have, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you've got spy satellites coming over and you can alter the coordinates or move it with this radar, maybe that opens a flap area. And, yeah. You know. These areas are high strangeness all over the world, like Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. you know, they, there's a reason. Something's causing that. Yeah. Is, it, is it a portal? Is, it, yeah. is things happening, coming through from another dimension? Mm -hmm. You know, you know um, I've, ne I've never seen any, but I know um, people who, who I don't think would, would tell a fib have seen cryptoids in Mendelssohn Forest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean the the other thing which could potentially um be uh the case where you say, you know, I think they have an interest in us not blowing ourselves up is that it could yeah. be us from the future that have absolutely, discovered yeah. fifth dimensional travel or time travel etc and they're just keeping yeah. tabs, you know, mm. or maybe well, to be fair if they if they travel in time then they'd probably they'd, then they would know when we blow ourselves up. So maybe maybe they've come back at certain times and stop those events uh, you know you just don't know yeah well but, jim peniston always said he always said and um, when he don't believe in ufos and he don't believe in aliens and he said that um his feelings was that was us from the future and yeah. they came back um for a reason maybe yeah. to change maybe to change what was going to happen maybe yeah you know weird i mean yeah, there yeah. are serious people studying time travel yeah you know so maybe it's already possible yeah, yeah. that's the thing the thing that's the, the it's almost like a bit of a paradox of time travel because if it is po if if we cracked time travel then time travel would have always been possible because you can go back in time mm. yes with the device yeah. yeah yeah but maybe we are in one big loop yeah maybe maybe yeah, yeah no it is it is absolutely fascinating it really is and i, I so ever since that night when we went around Rendlesham, um, my mind has just been on Rendlesham. It's, 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 it is a very uh, addictive place, without a doubt. And just all the things, you know, all the things that have happened there and stuff, all of the history, yeah. all of the mystery um, mm. is, is, just, is just something else. Um, so I've got a few questions. I've asked the audience for a few questions. Yeah, yeah. Obviously... Bailey, Scott, Mara, if you have any other questions. Also, Mara, I'm so glad that you brought up the Holt tapes because I'm definitely I haven't listened to them yet, and I'm definitely going to give them. You know what you should do next time I've you're there. Already. Yeah, next time you're there, play the Holt tape when you're in the forest. Oh, that would be great. We could do that. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Great. I don't know yeah. if I can handle that one. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That's a great shout. Mm. Do, do you think there's ever? Do you think there's ever a chance? Because I understand, like you know, them keeping it from us and stuff. I don't agree with it, but I understand some mm. of the logic behind it. But is there not? If aliens just one day decided, like 
we're just gonna reveal ourselves and there's nothing that the governments and stuff can do is there no but you know what happened if all of a sudden aliens did land on the white house lawn people would say a cgi or that's yeah. been their actors and you're never yeah. going to get through reveal no that's that's, well, that's the thing isn't it like yeah. this 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 whole thing that's gone on with that um that case and that i think it like trended on twitter for like three hours and then people are just brought back to just yeah or in stellar yeah. people, they say strange how people yeah, that, 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 yeah, They've been saying every year there's going to be disclosure. That'll never happen. That yeah. you know they've been saying it for as long as I can remember. Disclosure, disclosure. There'd be no disclosure. No, I mean I look at the through the stars. That all fizzled out, didn't it? That was they were going to work on disclosure. Yeah, loads of money into it, nothing ever come of it. What do you think will happen to these people that have come forward that are in, that sat with Congress the other uh, last week and said, you know, like we have discussed, we have um, found crashed uh, UFO sites and we have we've retrieved. I think they called it um, non-human biologics. Yeah, because that's. I mean, that that was quite quite something to to say on such a platform, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they can say what they want unless they can show you some proof. They can say what they want, can't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we have, the te- we have the technology to make anyone say whatever we want them to if we're in this, you know, in, in that game. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know whether you're the yeah. president of the United States or whatever, they can get in your head. and. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that would, like, say, with, like, MK Ultra and things like that. That, that was... MK Ultra is the thing that really shifted my thoughts on conspiracies because mk ultra for the longest time was a conspiracy theory it's a conspiracy theory and then all of a sudden it was released that actually no mk ultra was a thing and it's like oh my goodness like you know if they 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 attempted to and maybe they succeeded in you know trying to brainwash um through this mk ultra and for the longest time it was seen as like a myth and then for them to just reveal that actually no it's true you know, you've got to think, like, how are th- how many other conspiracies out there that are conspiracies now are only a conspiracy until it's not, you know, until it's yeah. the truth, until mm. it's confirmed. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the airmen at um, Bent Wars, some of them were harshly treated and interrogated, and yeah. interrogation using hypnosis and truth serums. Yeah. You know, so, now, were they used to... I, I think they were... The, the reason there's so many different versions of what happened is um, because they... All apart from maybe John, who can't remember being interrogated, but some people said they see him being led away or or going to be interrogated. They give them all different stories. What does that make him? The, the, the truth is in there, but you don't know which one it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it completely yeah. removes the credibility from yeah. if they're all saying different things. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and also, like, um, Bustinzer in particular was ha- harshly interrogated, and he remembers his very well and that's documented um he was told well it's a cheap dime a dozen he, they kept telling him what he saw you saw the lighthouse you saw the lighthouse no i didn't see the lighthouse the lighthouse don't do this lighthouse don't do that this is what i saw you see you don't get it you saw the lighthouse yeah and in the end he went yeah okay i saw the lighthouse yeah all right yeah leave didn't me alone there for him. didn't finish there after that his um family were threatened he was threatened you know that something went on there yeah something went on there i don't think that was just like a ufo thing because all the evidence was taken away to ramstein straight afterwards you know um including hot's tape 
uh, he had copies, but the whole tape, someone said there was movie film, there was photographs, that was all taken away. The blotters disappeared, the police blotters. Now, in the control, in the central security control, you have a tape run in 24 hours. So everything, even people coming in and making a cup of coffee, that's all on that tape, yeah. disappeared. The MOD, the MOD, all the files what were released, all except for the that year for Rendlesham, and they disappeared. There's yeah. a there's Why? a file at there's a file of a file at the White of um or Capitol Hill uh, that big on on Rendlesham. So something happened. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, Hulk, yeah. Sin, that way, you weren't allowed to read it. They sure him. No, you're not reading that. Yeah. There's, yeah it's just you know the fact that everybody that was involved doesn't want to or can't speak about it and everything that could prove it in physical form whether that's a, an audio recording or camera footage is gone that if if anything just proves it more in exactly. my opinion exactly. yeah, that's the it's thing just about proving it. yeah. that it's been buried yeah that's the thing like if, there's, if there is all of this you know evidence about it out there at one point and there was and all of a sudden it's just gone missing then yeah you, you're basically confirming it anyway you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. you've done everything but confirm it yeah if you've got if you yeah. haven't got anything to hide then why are you hiding stuff yeah yeah straight straight after the events the osi which is the office of special investigations were involved they weren't from that base they came in from lake and heath and germany um the nsa were involved our um security services were involved or interrogation what something they yeah. either stumbled yeah. on something they shouldn't have done some technology that we were working on that w would have caused trouble because holt said at one time that um if the truth came out about rendlesham then governments would topple you know so there's something yeah. we we were either involved with something we shouldn't have been yeah. Or maybe we was involved with another country on things we shouldn't have been. But that's they knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. Because over that Christmas period, I don't know if you're aware, HMS Norfolk was off the coast, just off Orford Ness. They evacuated um Hollisley Bay prison, Blunderston prison, and High Point prison in Suffolk. But they were expecting something. So I think they something what was involved with maybe was nuclear and yeah. they didn't know what they didn't know what the result would be when people come into contact with it you know something yeah something why do you evacuate prisons no they yeah. uh, actually they weren't evacuated they were put on stat um evacuation alert right. ready to still right. why why yeah yes why yeah, yeah. And all these people marks. coming in to investigate and help out and things like that. Yeah. Why? Yes. Why are you all there? And straight afterwards, there was um, scientists in the forest and they took they were taking data and samples and things. So whatever it was, unless that was as well as the events what went on, maybe mm. what they were doing opened up another dimension for these mm. other... Yeah. Yeah. What you want to call them. See, yeah. John... John never said he saw a craft. He said he saw lights. The only person who saw a craft was Jim Penniston. Yeah. Mm. See, if these stories didn't have weight to them, you know, without mm. the evidence and stuff, there's no way that all of these people came and got involved. So I think yeah. that there is 100% evidence and weight to those stories, and that's yeah. why everything yeah. transpired the way that it did, and it's yeah, all just yeah. been buried. 
Yeah. 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 And so a, a friend of mine is a, a female investigator. She found that there wasn't a room to be had in Woodbridge and Bentmore's area that Christmas period. And they were, all the rooms were taken by scientific people like Marconi and yeah. the like. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's too much, isn't it? It's too it's too yeah. heavy, as you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, like especially when like the police are saying it's chickens, and yeah. then like there's just, do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. You don't need that many scientists to like yeah. debunk a chicken. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like... When, the, when the story first broke, there was a journalist called Georgina Bruni, and she invested done this. She's got a book called "You Can't Tell the People." That's very good. She. In, she interviewed a lot of the personnel who were there, whereas a lot of the books before and after, no one, they, they didn't get to speak to the people involved. Um, she, she investigated with the police and there was a, a wall of silence. They weren't saying anything. They, they knew what had gone on, but they were told, you know, that they, that they can't tell her, they can't speak to her. Why? It, 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 yeah. At the end, at the end of every single thing, it's just like why. Uh, if if there's nothing yeah. there, why? If it's absolutely fine, yeah. why? If it's chickens, why? You know, because yeah. you don't. All of this is all unnecessary if it's an innocent yeah. scenario, but it's yeah. not, and they know it's not, and we all know it's not. Yeah. You know, but I love oh, mm. fascinating. I I I'm really really looking forward to returning. I'm really looking forward to going pedal to the metal with uh the investigating side you know with the estes method and the emfs yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff it's going to be super super fun um i think we'll leave it on this ronnie if that's cool i've got one more question and i think this is i think i know what the answer will be um but a20638 asks ronnie what is your scariest moment at rendlesham forest so all the time you've spent in there. The, the scariest moment I ever had um, was in the field that some call Capital Green. There's a finger of trees, and I was at the end of that finger of trees with my dog, and this black um, shadow looked like a cloaked person came right over me, and I felt like I was taken over my body. I felt like I was losing control of my body, and I ran. And my dog was with me as well, and he was back at the car before me whatever that was but um i never said anything or anyone about it for ages because it's weird thing people roll their eyes and think oh mm. yeah yeah of course you did until i spoke to one of the people who were involved on the third night who was there part of that party yeah and i was telling him and he said i know what you're talking about because i've seen it really? so yeah that was scary the other scary that uh, on the level with that was when I was in that um, field and I was there with a couple of radio shows that was Felix Stowe FM and Compass Paranormal. We was doing a program called The Witching Hours. And while we were in the field and had freshly been ploughed for carrots, we saw child's footprints forming around us, like, like from nowhere. Yeah. That was scary. Yeah. Well, we've seen footprints in the forest, haven't we? So, we saw, well, that... we saw one, yeah. Yeah, we saw one. <laughs> Looking for a ghost called Hoppy, but you know, really, <laughs> we shouldn't um, wind us up without talking about Larry Warren's story. We're going back to now the third night, which is Colonel Holt's night when he was out in the forest with his um, 
little recorder and with his team of men. Well, Larry Warren's story is allegedly the same day, the same time that that happened. And how it all um, transpires is he's on a very remote post on the Bentwaters flight line called Perimeter Post 18. And he gets a call coming over saying that he's got to deactivate his post and that Lieutenant England has come to pick him up because there's some something going off in the woods and they need some men over there. So he says from there he's picked up, they went and collected some light ores and went to the forest. When they got to the forest, they were split up into small groups. He says he could see Colonel Holt's men in the in the woods to the left, quite a way away. He seemed fairly certain that that was Colonel Holt, so that would probably had to have been that night. So anyway, when they get to the the field, the farmer's field at some called Cabal Green, in the middle of the field is a greeny yellow mist just hovering off the ground, um, the shape of an aspirin, and just like a weird mist with form to it. And they're told to surround it. So the, the um, airmen are spaced out around this mist. And he says that there was cameramen there with the big old-fashioned, you know, the movie cameras and things yeah, like yeah. that. There, there was high-ranking officers there. There were some uh, military people that he didn't recognise in different uniforms. And um, the, he's, he's, all of a sudden, someone says, here it comes, here it comes. And coming from the coast, towards the finger of trees is an orange basketball-shaped orb that gets uh, just above this mist where they're all standing around, and it explodes, and um, the, the area is bathed in light, and in its place is a craft that's constantly changing shape, distorting shape. And so they're stood around this, and then I expect he's wondering what the hell is it, what's going on? Yeah. And... And he says, out of the um, the appendages of this craft, he sees these blue, like golden balls of light with form inside them, like he could see there's a shape inside them. He said it looked like they were children, but they weren't on the ground, they were hovering. And he's thinking, what are children doing, doing out there? Now, his story goes that the base commander Gordon, no, not the base, the wing commander Gordon Williams is having a face-off with these three aliens. There's a crack in the woods and they back off, you know, like I hear this crack of the branch breaking and they back off. But he said there's some non-verbal communication going on between them and this was record, all being recorded. Well, he says after a while he was tapped out and told to leave and he went and that was, his, that was the end of, of that story as far as it goes. Now, the thing about Larry was, um, Adrian Bustinza um, wanted to get his story out, and so he told him everything what had happened to him. So maybe some of it is Adrian's story, maybe some of it has been exaggerated on Adrian's story, or maybe that is what he believes he saw. Yeah. But uh, he, he wrote a book called Left at Eastgate, and... If that was the night Colonel Holt was out there, that couldn't have happened because he says that he was in Germany at the time and that he um, he didn't arrive back at Bentwaters until the, the morning of the 28th. So, you know, he's missed the show by a day. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of people have said that, yes, they've seen Larry out there at some stage. 
no one else has really corroborated that story, except for Adrian Bustinger, who said he did see the shadows of something um, from this craft. But then I wondered if he was confusing that with what happened with him with John Burroughs when he, um, when he said he saw him go into the light and then disappear, because yeah. he says he saw something then. But that could have been John's shadow or it could have been another being or something. But that's for people to make their own mind up, you know, if yeah. they look into everything. Um, Colonel Holt says he went out there. Um, the other, he definitely went in Colonel Holt's group. Um, John never saw him out there, and yet he reckons he saw John out there. So, you know, what I would say to people is investigate, do your own investigation, read everything, yeah. and make your mind up because yeah. there, there's probably more than three nights involved and maybe something what he saw or um he picked up off someone else happened on another night because i'm i'm certain that the, well there were, i know for a fact there was things going on before and after yeah mm. yeah so like if you hear of aliens uh um, rendlesham that's probably larry's story where where the aliens were involved yeah mm. i see yeah yeah so out of of all of everything that you've you've told, like what do you believe? What do you think happened? What do you believe? Um. Well, for certain, the brass knew that something was going on. Mm -hmm. That would explain why they weren't responding to Colonel Holt. If that had been listen, if that was in the middle of the Cold War, and you've got beams of light coming down in the weapon in or around near the weapon storage area. All hell would let loose. Yeah. Nothing was ever implemented. So I think whoever they knew what it was, what was was going off. The navy was out there. Also, a Russian Tupolev was seen out there. Russian submarine was seen out there. There was Russian um, frogmen caught in the forest at that, around about that time. So either they were, either we were bringing down some technology what belonged to them which would explain governments would topple you know if yeah. they found out what happened was the whole ufo thing a cover-up or did we open up a portal and bring something else in but i think whatever we knew we knew what it was i mean a few days after the events um gordon williams took his they had reports of lights in the forest again. There was an airman called Steve LaPrune was on the gate. He rung and said that, you know, that, that there's a UFOs in the woods again. He brought his children and his wife out there. Well, I'm sure he wouldn't have brought them out if he thought that there's an alien threat or a yeah. Russian threat. Or There, there was definitely some um, light activity, some lights and that. But I think... He must have been briefed and knew what was going on. Although he says he didn't have no idea. I don't I don't personally believe it. I think there were certain people there. Um I don't think Charles Holt was in the loop, but then he went in the loop for a lot of things. There was airplanes came in there that he had no idea what was going on yeah. and and he, he was told to keep away from. You know, maybe he was used as a scapegoat for some yeah. of it. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Like, if so, if they knew, and you know, and they they were just they weren't assisting; they were just kind of letting it play out. Is it possible that the higher ups say that this is a complete like scenario in my head? But yeah. 
if the higher ups knew of this, like say alien life that was visiting, is it possible yeah. that they essentially sent Holt etc into the forest almost as cannon fodder just to see? Just let's see if let's see if it kills them. Let's see if it's radioactive. Let's see if you know it takes them. See how they react as well, yeah. because that's been mm-hmm. known and it have used it, especially the Americans have used it on the army to see how yeah um, how people react. Yeah. Because that that would potentially explain, in my mind, why even though they're out there on orders, once they're out there, they're just like essentially been left to their own devices, and there's no communication back and forth. It's almost yeah. like right, they're out there now. Let's see if let's see if it kills them. Let's see if it takes them. Let's see if you know if they can handle it. Can I ask? I don't know if it's something that you'll know. What happened with Holt after? you know, that night happened. Did he was he allowed to carry on working? Yeah, right. Now all the airmen were um what's the word? They were moved to other bases. Holt right. was sent out to um I, I forget where he was sent, but they were all sent to different bases. John was got out. Um Aiden Bustinza got preferential treatment. He got some they call them TDAs, temporary assignments. Um mm. I think he went to Alaska. I think John went to career or something but they were they were all purposely kept away yeah. from each other and yeah. kept away from anyone who could ask questions so yeah. why would you do that if they just had that yeah. story yeah i mean that kind of links back to what you were just saying jordan you know about like was this a test maybe if they'd have responded differently and holt hadn't you know pushed it maybe they would have been kept on the base because they would they'd proved that they could keep these things quiet kind of thing. Mm. See, after the event, there was um, a bloke they called the cleanup doctor, Kit Green, was brought in. And um, he he is involved even to this day where people have had close encounters and they do tests on DNA and, and, and brain waves and things and what have you. But some of the airmen, or one in particular, has said that she was tasked with, with picking up the airmen after these events and taking them to the man in the white coat, which is Kit Green. Mm. So were they um, given screen memories or were they, yeah. did they want to find out what they saw? You so know, what, weird. You know. Yeah. Or, or, um, yeah. Very, it's a very complex case, this Rendlesham thing. Absolutely yeah. is. Um, Every, yeah, time you, every time you speak about it, it just opens up another can of worms, isn't it? It's yeah. just yeah. never ending. There's just always more questions to it. Every yeah. story that's answered, you know what I mean? So I, I can't wrap my head around it at all, to be honest, mate. Like, yeah. it's, it's, there's just so, so much that's that's gone on there, and it's just so confusing. Like, yeah, yeah, just it's mental. It's actually mental. Yeah, I do believe there are portals in that forest. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. one thing that happened to me one evening was I know that the um, constellations quite well in the stars and you get nights in the summer where there's not cloud in the sky. And mm-hmm. I've been walking down one of the tracks, not the ones we went on. These ones lead to um, some tumuli in the, in the forest. And I was heading towards that, like a quite a peaceful place. And I was walking down there and then there was this sensation like... Um, time had stood still almost everything was slowed down it's a weird sensation and mm. when i turned the corner the the stars were closer 
and they weren't where they should have been. So, I mean, that just can't happen, can it? So, yeah. had I had I had a time slip, or or was it? What was it? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, like you know, like if you stood there and you can see the stars and you, you can see a Ryan's belt and things yeah. like that, and then you turn a corner and that's over there, but closer. Yeah. Yeah. How you explain that? Yeah. It was it almost yeah. like you were kind of looking at it, kind of like for like a a mirror image or like a reflection of it? Was it sort of? Well, it looked like I was looking at it through a telescope. You know, that was right. much closer. Wow. Like I wasn't like I wasn't where I should be. I was somewhere on the our Earth that was closer to it. Yeah. So bizarre. That place is so bizarre. I really liked how you described it in the video as um, like the UK's uh, Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. Ranch because there are just yeah. it's not just the UFO stuff. There's ghost uh, sightings. There's there's all sorts of paranormal yeah. activity that happens in that forest. And uh, you know from from the from the very little that I experienced, it, why is there no wildlife? It's yeah, dead. That's in so there. It's, eerie. It's it's so strange. It's, it's such an eerie experience. Yeah, yeah, I've been in many forests. And you can't, like, you just hear all of the yeah. wildlife all the time. There are no animals yeah. in that forest. Particularly at night. Yeah. Which yeah. is It's, it's so really odd. annoying how, how you can't bring that forward, like, more in the video to kind of amplify, like, how mm. dead it really was. Yeah. You don't understand how dead it was until you're actually standing in there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing. So eerie. It doesn't just feel nothing. right at all. No. It, that the place no, no, no. doesn't feel right at all. It's got a very strange vibe to it. 100%. I'm very excited to visit myself. Yeah, very Same. excited. I was glad that I couldn't come last time. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should all take one track each and walk the whole track on your own with no torch. Can someone yeah, come with I me, am, please? I am, I am, no, I am, no, that's I'll please. definitely that's do a solo. <laughs> no, I'll, do, I'll do a solo. I'll do a solo. I'm happy to do one. Yeah, I'll do a solo. Okay, I'm not coming anymore. Sorry, guys. We'll do solos <laughs> and we'll leave my on our own. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how it works. A forced solo. That's it. No, I'll do a solo in my car. You can hold base. That, that is scary, but I wouldn't want to be sitting in the car. That's the worst place. Yeah, it's definitely good. That, that place draws you. I mean, I know so many people. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was working twelve-hour shifts and then going straight down there for three or four hours. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I've known other people every night down there. You know, apart from Brenda Rouge practically lived in the forest she was one of the main investigators um you know when the story broke but other people i've known have got had a strange feel as if they've been drawn there yeah mm, yeah I, I feel that way like I did, you know i was so the moment that we finished i was so keen to go back yeah it's incredible you've talked about it so much since I you've have. been back as well yeah, and you just and like that's, um, that's a, a weird feeling because it's almost like you're pushing yourself beyond terror yeah you know, when, yeah and to go there after something's happened like happened to me i mean yeah. you do that just change your outlook quite a bit yeah. but you think yeah, what's going to happen next something you're just waiting for that one thing to happen and what happened if that happened i never yeah. thought of that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the worst thing about it yeah yeah you don't realize until you're in the moment yeah no 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 absolutely but it's... there's definitely there's never ever been much experiments done there yeah. And the people I know who have um, dabbled a bit in experiments have got some really good results. But yeah. um, things like infrared cameras, you know, the, the, 
when when Keach was down there in 2010 with John Bowers and Jim Penniston, Lyndon Moulton Howe, they picked up all sorts on the infrared camera that you can't see with the eye, yeah. including yeah. two beams in the field. Yeah, yeah we'll, 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 we're gonna we're gonna bring everything. Yeah, um, we'll make a good plan of what we're that, gonna do. That EMF, that EMF at the end, I've never had a response on an EMF like that. It was so responsive, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that responded was, to questions, didn't it? Yeah, it was, and so yeah. aggressively. You know, it wasn't like, oh, it flickers from green to, like, a little bit greener. It was flickering from green to orange, green to red. It was like, oh, my word. Yeah. You know, incredible. So, um, so yeah, we're getting fresh batteries for everything. So even if the batteries yeah, that we have batteries. drain, Stuff. Stuff we're going yeah, yeah. to bring spares. We're going to be, you know, mm -hmm. I can't. I really want to do an SS method. Um, I want to do everything in there, um, and we will, and it's going to be awesome. Um so yeah we will be filming that next week but uh yeah. ronnie thank you again for your time i appreciate it thank you You're for welcome. for telling telling the story here today we're going to be investigating randlesham really hard next time with all the with all the equipment it's going to be awesome i cannot wait and who knows what we will find um but yeah thank you so much ronnie thank you scott bailey meyer for joining us and welcome thank you to everyone at home i hope you've enjoyed this uh, it's the first of an interview series that i want to start so i hope you enjoy let me know your thoughts down below and we will see you again very very soon thank you guys see you later sweet one peace bye bye, -bye. bye.